Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Well, good morning. first time, go back and listen and watch those online on our website, or you can go to YouTube and um, check in at West Hill Media. Excited for this day, I'm, I'm a little, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, reserved. Um, part of it is because of this, the reality is I don't pray enough. I don't know if any of us would raise our hand and say that we do pray enough. I don't think I have this mastered, and I hate preaching on something that I don't have down. And so this aspect, not that I have everything else down that I preach, by the way, but it's one of those things that you, you, you want to be able to have it before you preach it. That's one of the rules of preaching. Don't preach something that you haven't, uh, you haven't worked through, you haven't lived through, you haven't worked through you know, on applying. Um, it's just one of the, the main rules of preaching. So this morning I come to you with uh, bringing this series to an end and uh, entitled this morning, After Amen. And so after we pray, uh, really what, what keeps us going? What, what does it look like? What, what, what do we think? What do we do? How do we act? And, uh, and so I want to walk through this a little bit and, and with you, if you would um, be gracious enough with me to know that, um, that I, don't, I don't have all the answers um, and I don't have it all mastered. And I'm here working alongside of you uh, trying to figure this whole prayer thing out and what it looks like. So how about before we dig in, how about we stop and we pray? That would probably be good, right? So would you bow and pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, you are Lord of all. And you are worthy of all of our praise. You're worthy of all the honor and all of the glory. And only Jesus Christ is worthy enough to open the seal. The lamb who gave his life for us so that we could experience the forgiveness of sins Lord we are eternally grateful and in response we come this morning to your word and we come before you and with your spirit living inside of us dwelling inside those who are followers of yours and Lord we ask for you to work this morning in us Reveal another piece of you. Reveal another part of who you are to us. And in so doing, Lord, that uncovers more of who we are. And so, Lord, as we look at our lives and we look at who you are, may we see your great beauty 
And Lord, looking at how you have created us and how you have us here on this earth, even with our sinfulness and our faults, Lord, to see that you desire to use us and, and to allow us to experience things in our life, to grow us closer to you so that the world may know that there is truly a God. So Lord, this morning we come asking for you to work in us, reveal yourself to us in a new and fresh way, and may it give us strength, may it give us courage, may it give us hope, because you've answered our prayer, because we've been able to meet with you. And so we pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. If you would, let's stand together and let's uh, pray this prayer also. We'll pray this to our Lord and we'll start together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgiven those Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. You may notice at the end of that prayer, that phrase, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. There isn't a verse this morning that I have to go along with that because it isn't in our ESV. If you have ESV or NIV, it's probably not in your translation. Uh, the New American Standard Bible has it in there, but with uh, uh, quotations or parentheses around it. And so I just want to briefly talk about that. Why is it in some? Why do we say it? Why have we prayed it? But why is it not here? Maybe you have a little footnote in your Bible. Uh, that little footnote will probably tell you that in some older manuscripts or newer manuscripts that, uh, that it was later included. Some older manuscripts, it was not there. Mainly it's to say this, the oldest manuscripts that we have, so we have manuscripts. Those manuscripts are what we get our English translations from. We compare those different, different manuscripts. Uh, most of them are in Hebrew or Aramaic and in and, and, and Greek. And so translating those uh, over into English is sometimes a challenge, as it is in any language, right? Uh, to, to take a Greek word of love, that they have four different words of love, um, and we have one word in English of love, all right? And that's a challenge. So how do we translate? Sometimes we have those translation issues. Other times we look at manuscripts, and those oldest manuscripts that we have Sometimes they read a little bit different than some of the other manuscripts that we have. That doesn't mean that they're faulty or that they're wrong. Uh, there's different percentages that different scholars will tell you, um, but the percentage is very, very high of them reading the same. And so there are a few passages, a few things that are just a little bit different. And so this is one of those where the newer manuscripts, so the ones closest to our time, we call them newer, all right, are, have added this phrase, um, and it's more of a, like a doxology uh, to ending of a, of, a, of a prayer that was added, whereas the older manuscripts that we translate from do not have this included. So it could easily say, well, just don't add it because the older ones don't have it. 
Well, when we go back and we look at some of the Jewish scholars and the Jewish uh, priests and some of their writings that are also old, they have included this in some of their writings as well. And so it helps us to say, okay, let's look at what's being said. Is it anything against scripture that scripture says elsewhere? And the truth is, no, it isn't. It's not against scripture whatsoever. In fact, it builds upon what we read, especially in the book of Matthew, when Matthew is trying to help us to understand and to see the kingdom of God and Jesus being the king. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We see these, this emphasized throughout scripture in other passages. So whether we pray that or say that, whether we believe it's here or not, uh, it is not unbiblical. Uh, I would not fight about it. I wouldn't wrestle arm. I wouldn't even arm wrestle about it. Um, it, it, it is here. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong if we pray it because I think scripture shows us who gets all the glory, who has all the power. And it isn't just now, but it's forever and ever. So that hopefully helps resolve a little bit of maybe some of your questions there. Let, let me dig into this question now. Why is it so difficult for you to pray? Is it difficult for you to pray? Maybe for some of you, it isn't. Maybe it's easy for you to speak. Maybe others of you have wrestled with what to say. So it's difficult for you to speak. Some of you, it's hard for you to listen. Why is it difficult for you to pray? Because how do you listen? How do you hear the voice of God? For some, it's hard to be still. You'll pray, but it's hard to be still enough, long enough to actually hear or to listen. Why is it so difficult to pray? Maybe it's that you struggle with trust. I think those are a few of the reasons why sometimes it can be so difficult to pray continually. When we sum up what we've read and what we've studied over the course of these last few weeks, I believe that prayer comes down to this. Prayer is about a relationship. You could say prayer is something that we need to do. Prayer is something that we ought to do. Prayer is something that has to be done for those who are followers of Christ. And I wouldn't disregard those, but I will say this. I believe in my walk with Jesus and as I continue to study the scriptures, Prayer boils down to one thing. Prayer is about a relationship. It's a relationship with you and God. We see that and why we should praise because the main emphasis that I read in scripture is because Jesus prayed. Jesus was fully God, but yet fully man. And we see Jesus and he spent an enormous amount of time praying. If he was fully God and he knew what he was sent here to do, he was here to do his father's will. Why would he need to pray so much? Well, we see that example for us. Jesus desiring to do the father's will. And it, it shows us the importance of that relationship. Here's the son desiring continual relationship with his father. So if prayer is all about a relationship, it means it's a relationship. It is one that requires faith. 
I don't know about you, but I've never heard the audible voice of Jesus. I've never heard him talk to me. Have I heard God talk to me? Not in an audible voice. In, through the spirit? Yes. Through other people? Yes. Through circumstances? Yes. But I have never heard the voice of God speak to me. Not like God spoke when Jesus was baptized. And he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Those who were standing there heard that. I don't know about you, but that means it requires faith. Prayer requires faith because I don't hear an ongoing dialogue between me and God. Not like I enjoy with my wife. I can talk with my wife and she can talk with me and I hear her. Sometimes she calls that selective hearing, but I at least hear some things. The challenge of prayer in that relationship is that it requires faith. It also requires time. Just as I enjoy friends and I enjoy my family and I enjoy my wife and she's my best friend, it requires time though. It requires the fact that I've got to make it a priority. I have to go out of my way to carve out other things so that that becomes important. It is same for prayer. It is same, the same thing. It, prayer is not just going to happen on its own. And so when you view prayer and your walk with Jesus as a relationship, you will start and you will begin to continue to form time and to carve out time to make time to spend with God. For me, that's the hardest part. Sometimes, honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm wasting time if I just sit and pray. I think that's a lie straight from somebody, right? Have you ever bought into that? Man, I should be doing this or I need to go do this. I can't just sit here and pray. Prayer requires time. Relationship requires time. It isn't just going to happen. Prayer is about a relationship. And the third one is this. It's one that requires love. This relationship requires love. Do you know that God will always keep his end? When it comes down to love, God is love. Psalms tells us about his loving kindness and how it endures forever. It's a repeat. It's like on repeat. It's one of those things that if you had an old vinyl record and it skipped and it kind of kept playing the same thing or a CD player and it skipped and it kind of kept playing the same thing and it kind of kept playing the same thing and it kind of kept playing the same thing. That's what we see in the Psalms when it talks about God's loving kindness. It endures forever. I love what Solomon wrote and also what we read in Lamentations 3, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, talks about his loving kindness endures forever and the fact that his mercy is new every morning. 
That God's mercies are new every morning. So when we think about a relationship with God, and it is one that requires love, we need to continually remind ourselves that God never fails us. And so if we don't hear an answer to prayer, or if it doesn't go the way that we want it to, or this life on this earth isn't what I thought it should be, that God isn't the one in the relationship that is changing or redefining what love is. God is love. And what he requires in my relationship with him and through my prayer time is love. I show and I demonstrate my love to God by being obedient to him. Not doing what I want, not striving to do my own way or what I think. No, a relationship with God is one that is built on love where I say, God, I love you, not just through my lips, but through the way that I live. Not trying to redefine what his word tells us, but living as the spirit reveals his word, living in a way that demonstrates his love. Let me ask you this question. Is there any name that is above the name Jesus? Is there any name that is above the name Jesus? You would answer. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Prayer will challenge that, right? Because let me ask you this. What about those times when you've prayed and God didn't answer you? After you say amen and you've committed it to God and God doesn't do what you've asked him to do or he's done something different, how do you still view God? How do you view Jesus? The truth is, is when we pray, oftentimes we pray in such a way that says, my will be done, my kingdom come. That's why Jesus is teaching his disciples and those who will follow after him. Pray in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There are others who at times we feel that we are alone. Is God really there? Is he listening to me? Why can't I sense him? Why don't I feel him? I love what Philip Yancey says in his book, Prayer. He says, I have learned to see prayer not as my way of establishing God's presence. I think a lot of us do that. We pray hoping that we will meet with God and that we'll feel him and that we'll sense him, that we'll know that he is there. And let me say, those times, and I've had those times, those great, deep, meaningful times, it's one of the reasons why I love to go to Canada. Not because of the mosquitoes, not because I get to lay on the hard surface every night after paddling miles and hiking and portaging miles. I don't like that. And the older I get, the worse it is. 
But the reason why I keep going back is not only to teach and to train another generation on some leadership skills, but also that's a place and a time where I feel where I'm connected with God. Where everything else is quiet. But what about those times when you feel alone? When you feel your prayers are just like a vapor, you're sending them up and they just dissipate. Philip Yancey, as he says this, it's not about establishing God's presence, rather as my way of responding to God's presence. And that his presence is a fact, whether or not I can detect it. Whether or not you can detect God's presence is beside the point. It's like that great game of hide and go seek. When you know somebody's in that room, but you can't see them. God is there. He has been, and he always will be. That's a fact. And so when we say that Jesus' name is above every other name, and that he has all the glory and the power, and it's about his kingdom forever and ever, we must not just say it, but we must believe it. That God is truly there and that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So when you say amen, what's your next course of action? Is it to wait? There are times that God tells us to wait. Sometimes his answer is yes, no, maybe, but sometimes it's wait. In our world today, that may be one of the most difficult things to do. We don't want to wait. I don't want to wait in line at the fast food restaurant. Funny thing, we were traveling yesterday back from Erie and we got off an exit and somebody wanted some French fries and a Diet Coke. I won't say who, but convinced all of us that we should get some. So we got off this exit where well, the line was too long in the drive through at that restaurant. So we went down to the next exit. Not a bad thing, but it just shows us we struggle with waiting, right? When we pray, we need to realize this. That sometimes God is working on our very character. Because what's the saying? Good things come to those who wait. When we say amen, that shouldn't be the end because why? It's again, it's about a relationship. It's about pursuing Jesus. Sometimes the course of action that God wants us to do is to dig into his word. Because he reveals himself through his word. He has told us this thing that we hold is not just a bunch of pages with ink on it. In fact, it is alive and it's active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword and it's able to pierce into us like nothing else that God has given us. We cannot pursue a relationship with God without pursuing his word. 
when we say amen, maybe your next course of action is to be confident. Maybe you need to find confidence that God has it all under control. That when you pray and you give it over to him, you can be confident that not only does he know it, because scripture tells us that our Lord knows it. Do not be like the Gentiles, verse 8 says in Matthew 6. Don't be like the Gentiles who use many words. No, don't do that. Because you can know that your father already knows your need before, he, before you ask him. So people have turned that and they said, well, why ask if God already knows? We're told that to give us confidence because God knows what you're going to ask. He knows what you need. And so when we come to him, we can be confident in knowing that he hears us and he knows exactly what we need. So if I miss a word or I forget something or I can't see the whole picture, I can be confident God knows exactly what I need. Maybe we need to walk through open doors. Maybe your next course of action after saying amen is walking through the open doors. As God opens doors, you walk through them by faith. But let me caution you. Not every open door is something that God may desire for you. I had a professor who once said that you don't want to walk through an open door that's an elevator shaft. I've always remembered that. Which goes into the next aspect of our course of action and that is seeking godly counsel. Proverbs 15.22, Proverbs 11.14, and Proverbs 24.6 Talk about the importance and the significance of seeking godly counsel. Ultimately, two of these talk about if you're going to wage a war and win a war, you're going to have a multitude of counselors and that's where your victory will come. Sometimes when we say amen, we need to go and we need to ask the Lord to give us Godly counsel that will come along and will help us to understand, is this a course of action that I should take? Is this an open door I should walk through? Is this something that I should be pursuing? Maybe another course of action is just taking one step at a time. Maybe it's as simple as getting up and doing the one thing you know you're supposed to do today. And then letting God lead you to the next thing and the next thing, which leads you to one day. So you do one day, one step at a time. I love knowing and I love planning. And so when I can't see what things are going to be like or what people are going to do or think or have some kind of response, it prevents me from walking forward. Maybe that's you. I love uh, the, the Psalms and the Proverbs because there's several of them talking about how God illuminates and, and, and guides our way. And I remember having this picture of, of taking one step at a time. And you come to, uh, maybe it's like this, you come to a river, okay? And you know that there is this raging river that's in front of you, this trial of your life. And God wants and desires for you to cross that river. You can't go back. You, you're not supposed to go backwards and you're not supposed to stay right there on the river's edge. 
You need to cross it. So God illuminates one stone. This stone is up out of the river and it's safe. And so you take that step. And you say, okay, where's the next one? And God illuminates the next stone. And you can't see wherever those stones are leading because you can't see any other one. All you can see is one stone at a time. And before you know it, through a period of time, experiences, trials, hardships, joys, God has gotten you to the other side of that river. How does that happen? One step at a time. So when we pray and we seek God, don't expect the easy way. And don't expect him to show you the full picture right here, right now. Very seldom does he do that. Look at how Jesus taught his disciples. He didn't give it to them all at once. One step at a time. Often one day at a time. Remember, it's about a relationship. The last course of action that I'll share with you here this morning is maybe it's perspective. Maybe you need to ask God for a different perspective. It's challenging at times, isn't it? To see from somebody else's perspective what's going on. This morning, I stand here excited for what is happening this week. So my daughter, my oldest, is going to college this week. We get to drop her off on Friday. Super excited for her. My perspective is I can look at it two ways, and it is very bittersweet. One perspective says, man, she's going to do so well. She's ready for this. Um, God has grown her, and God will continue to use this next step in her life to grow her. The other perspective looks at my home and says, this really stinks. I finally just got her trained the way I wanted her to, and now she's going to leave. She's been such a great helper. She does so much in our family, and now she's going to be gone? Some of you know exactly how that feels. Others of you look at me like, what are you, th what are you talking about? There's two different perspectives, right? Great, great thing. But there's another part of me that's like, part of my heart is being ripped out. Because I know my family and our home, it'll never be the same. Not a bad thing. It's a great thing. I believe part of why we struggle so much in prayer is we just look at life through our one lens of perspective. And if we can pray like Jesus prayed and to have a perspective that looks at our relationship with him, the almighty God, the creator of all things, and I can say, Lord, from my perspective, this is what I see. Would you help me? Would you help me to see from your eyes? Would you help me to catch a glimpse of what you want and what you're doing? The truth is, there is no magic words to get your prayers answered. 
There's no secret amount of time and there's no secret place for prayer to work. It's because it's about a relationship. I love what Dr. Tony Evans says when I think there, there is an abundance of people who desire to tell me what prayer to pray and I'll pray it to make it work. Or tell me what I need to do to do it so I can make sure that prayer works. Dr. Tony Evans says this, let, never let a resource become your source. We have a lot of great resources today. But the truth is, don't let it overtake the source. The source is our God. The source is the one who we go to, that we cry out to, that we, we rejoice and we, and we exclaim to. We praise him and we thank him. And we also get on our knees and we beg him. We plead with him. God is our source. So don't, don't ever let a resource take God's place. One other quote from Philip Yancey in his book on prayer. He says, though my needs may drive me to prayer, there I come face to face with my greatest need, an encounter with God's own self. That's what we need more than anything. And that's what prayer gives us, an encounter with God. I'm not sure where you are in your walk with God and in your prayer life, but let me encourage you. He's there waiting, wanting to hear from you. If it's been a long time, God already knows that. He loves you and he wants to hear from you. Be real with him and continue to build that relationship. Maybe you've been walking with God for many, many, many years. And you see and you ha can testify of what prayer is like. Share that. Share that with others. So that they can hear of the goodness of God. So they can hear of your struggle, but also of the joy of that relationship. And how God answers prayer. We need to testify of God's goodness. We need to be encouraged to know that prayer isn't just some deed that we do. Prayer is all about a relationship. And in that pursuit, we can pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, you are so good. We thank you that we don't fully have your perspective. I don't know what we would do with that. 
be hard to understand and comprehend everything, but we have an awesome God who is so great and who is so mighty, who we get to talk with, who we get to listen with, who we get to sit down and sometimes just to be still in your presence and the beauty of your creation at times. And your spirit speaks to us. Your word talks to us. Your people guide us. You've not left us alone. For those who feel alone, Lord, this morning, may you work in their hearts and their minds, encouraging them and strengthening them. That they may see that you've given them every resource that they need. Lord, may we never forget that as we approach your throne, we can do it boldly. Not because of who we are or what we've done or what we are currently doing, but we get to come boldly before your throne because Jesus makes this relationship possible. It's through his sacrifice, through his shed blood. Lord, I pray that as we finish this series this morning, that we would pursue this relationship, the most important relationship you have ever given us, more important than anything here on this earth, or that we would be fervent in our prayer walk. Knowing that there is great benefit Help us to realize how amazing it really is. That we have a God who wants to commune with us each day. Help us to pursue it. We pray this in the name of Jesus.